welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Welcome back to the Earn Your Happy Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by my Bliss Habit e-course. That is at theblisshabit.com. This is a 12-week e-course where I have literally put everything that I have learned over the years in all of business and in all of life into one spot, and it's truly my foundational program. So if you guys are ready to bust through your blocks and your fears and become a part of an epic community, this is for you. Every single week, you're going to get a new lesson along with video content, homework, and a meditation every single week. So whether you want to really understand how to create your own gratitude practice, how to stop living in the future, how to stop living in the past and live in the present moment, or whether it's you want to learn how to have the most abundant mindset so that you can start creating and attracting everything that you want in this life or overcome that fear story that keeps blocking you. This is truly the place in the community to tap into that. So go to theblisshabit.com. And you guys, today I am so excited about my guest. Her name name is Melissa Griffin. She teaches online courses and live workshops for entrepreneurs and bloggers who want to turn their afterwork hobbies into full-time businesses. And a few of her specialties are list building, webinars, and using Pinterest to get organic traffic and also content marketing. And I met Melissa at a mastermind that I am in with Lewis House. And I just loved this woman's incredible spirit. And she loves to give back good information. Her entire life's goal is to make other people successful in this business. And you guys, she is so successful that she is now creating in her own business, multiple six figures every single month. So the techniques that she teaches truly work. And on this podcast, you are going to learn what really makes a great webinar. She's going to talk all about Pinterest. I love that in the beginning of this conversation, we talked about her prior dreams and how dreams change so much and how to always follow those different gut hits and how to truly take a side hobby and start to monetize it. So it doesn't matter if you want to monetize a business or not. I promise you, you're going to get so much awesomeness out of this conversation because we truly talk just about life from a soul place and following your passion. So you guys, let's get started. Melissa, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so excited to have you on today. Thank you, Lori. I'm so excited to chat with you. So Melissa is in my mastermind. It's actually a mastermind that Lewis Howes has. How many people are in this? Is it 20 or 30? it's like 20 people. Yeah. Okay. So it's nice and intimate, but I still haven't gotten to spend as much time as I want with you. So thank God we have through the rest of this year and the rest of our life because I'm just, I'm a stalker. So (laughs) I will stalk you because I love everything that you are doing. And for those people who don't know who you are, would you mind just sharing? I know that, see, I, I know you have this amazing story. I would love to hear about your story and how you started doing what you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. So I started my business about four years ago. At that time, I was an English teacher living in Japan. I was kind of fresh out of college. I'd been out of college for a couple of years teaching English. And I really wanted to move to Japan because I felt this pull to like go on an adventure and do something different, like get out of my routine, shake things up, learn new things. 
Um, and it was an amazing experience living abroad, but it was also really challenging in that it was hard to find that community in Japan that I had back in California in the mm -hmm. States. So I was like, I'm going to start a blog. It's going to just be a way for me to connect with other creative people who are interested in personal development. So those were kind of the two big topics on my blog. And I'm just going to do it so I can meet other people and feel that sense of community in my life again. Mm. So I did the blog. Um, and, and it ended up becoming this obsession of mine. Like I loved working on it and, and it started to become less of a hobby and more of something that I was like, I could do this forever. Um, so I started looking into ways to monetize my blog because at the time I was also just feeling burnt out on being an English teacher, needed something new and creative. So I started offering web design services and I had never been a web designer, but I do have some design skills just kind of as a hobby throughout my life. And I ended up doing that for a couple of years and growing a pretty um, profitable business out of it. And then a couple of years later, the same kind of thing happened where I was like, I want to be doing something different. This isn't my life goal. And I went back to teaching, but in a different realm. So now I teach online courses for people who want to start their own business. Because what I found when I was blogging and running my web design studio was so many people were interested in learning how I grew the web design studio versus learning about how to design their own logo. Mm -hmm. So I started talking about marketing and audience building and getting clients. And that's when things um, really started to take off. And that's what I do now is teach those online courses, workshops, and run communities for people who want to start their own business. Mm, okay. So you just touched on so many amazing things. So <laughs> number one, I want to just know first, what was your, some of your favorite things about Japan? Oh gosh, I loved it so much. I originally lived in a place called Akita, which is in the Northern part of Japan. It's very rural. Um, it's like a agricultural town. You have to, you, it's just very, like everything is very far from everything else. My view looked out onto these fields of rice fields. Um, and, and that was an amazing experience for me just to see how good hearted and pure everyone in that town was. They were just all in it to help each other. Um, and, and just being in that place of like deep reflection, living in such a rural area for a year. Mm. And then I also just in general loved this community aspect. There's this, this little, tradition that Japanese people have called omiyage, which is basically just stands for souvenir. And the, the premise behind it is that if you ever go somewhere, like let's say you're a teacher and you have other teachers that you work with, if you go on a little trip or you go out of town for a conference, it's a tradition for you to bring back a little souvenir for everyone in your office. So in Japan, you'll actually find in airports and train stations, they sell boxes of like individually wrapped cookies or cakes that you can bring back for people in your family or your coworkers. And mm. the idea is just to let your community know that I was thinking of you even when I was away. And I think that sense of community is, is deeply embedded in every part of Japanese culture, which, which I totally loved because I love community and just seeing those little things that they did to, to bring it out of, of the people who lived there and also the food. <laughs> about the food. <laughs> that is so cool. Omiyage, is that what it was called? Omiyage. Omiyage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So favorite food that you discovered over there? Okay. So this is a funny story. I There's a food called monjayaki. Monjayaki. And it's it, I swear it looks like throw up. Like if you look <laughs> right now, it truly looks like throw up. And that's not even like a... <laughs> it totally does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's delicious. It's um, It's like this batter and you could put fish or meat and vegetables in it. And then you cook it on this little griddle in front of you at your table. And it's just kind of this flat, almost pancake, but it's really flavorful. It's so delicious. And I actually adopted a dog when I lived in Japan <laughs> and I named him Monja, which is the short <laughs> phrase of Monjayaki. Um, so he's actually in my house. He's staring at me right now, but that's where his name comes from. The throw up food. <laughs> okay. So if I forget the name, I'll, I can just say, Hey, do you have any of that throw up looking delicious stuff? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Amazing. Awesome. Okay. So I want to know biggest, um, differences in culture and then biggest similarities that you found. Um, okay. So let's see some of the 
biggest differences. So I'm from California. People are pretty expressive and, um, and a lot of people are outgoing and in Japan, it's very reserved. It's uh, everyone wears the same outfit to work, not even a uniform, but it's just kind of like this cultural uniform. Um, and people are very reserved just in their opinions and personalities. It's funny, um, like in the workplace, they're very reserved. And then we'll go to like karaoke or something because it's really <laughs> popular in Japan. Yeah. And they just go wild. They're like, I haven't been crazy like this in, in a long time. So I need to go crazy right now, um, which is pretty cool. But but that's a big difference. Um and it's also kind of this, how do I say, like, um, they're very much their own community. Like in the U.S., I think it's it's more of this kind of international society. And in Japan, it's very much like Japanese culture is kind of the, the way to do things. Mm. So that was an interesting um, difference there as well. Um, gosh, and... Yeah, I think a lot of it goes back to just their idea of community. Like everyone needs to be part of the community, people who are doing different things. It's um, not not as looked highly upon as it is in the U.S. It's kind of like people should be part of this community and and that's how we have harmony and, and balance in our society. Mm, what did you find was like a universal truth over there that you were like, yep, they're just like us? Mm, one of them, I love that question. So when I moved to Japan, I did not speak Japanese at all. I didn't, I didn't know anything about the culture. Um, and so I couldn't communicate through words, but I remember so many moments where I would write it down or I would think it when I would see it and just think, wow, there's so much communication that we do with every human, regardless of whether we can actually speak to them or not. I remember one specific, um, one specific time when I was sitting in my apartment, I was on the second story and then in the street below where I could see from my second story window, there was a dad playing catch with his son and they were, they were talking to each other in Japanese and kind of yelling things back and forth to Japanese in Japanese. And I felt like I could understand their entire conversation, mm -hmm. even though I could understand nothing, but it was like this deeper human connection that we all have just their body language and their intonation and how they say things. And I thought, that was such a beautiful um, lesson that I got out of living abroad. Just this this intimate connection that we all have to each other that has nothing to do with the languages that we speak. Oh, I love that. I was actually even just able to transport myself right there. Just that you know that image of the conversation between the two people. You don't even you know I don't even have to be there to know what was probably the interaction between yeah. them. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I love that. So your dream probably in the beginning was to be, you know, a teacher and go to Japan and teach. And all of a sudden it was like the dream changes. Mm. So I also love that you said that, that it, it, giving yourself that freedom to know that your dreams can change and also find yourself in a position that maybe you once dreamed of being in that's now no longer serving you. It's not like, oh my God, my life is over. It was kind of like, what's next? And you were open to it. What did that look like when you realized, whoa, this is, I'm not happy anymore. Were you just ready to take the next leap or was there a transitional period that was challenging? Yes. I love that question. Um, so I've gone through different iterations and pivoted a few times in my business. And the first time when I was an English teacher, um, feeling kind of burnt out and tired about being a teacher in that setting and wanting to do something online, that was the toughest transition because it was, it was so different and it was more time consuming just because I was entering this new world. Um, and I was just feeling kind of depressed from my job. So I wasn't in a great place in my life in general. Mm -hmm. So that was a, a little bit of a, a tougher transition for me, just trying to get my bearings and figure it all out. Um, but since then I've, I've done things like launched and closed a greeting card shop launched and closed a web design studio, um, focused on making my blog my full-time job, and then decided that I want to do other things aside from blogging. So there's been a lot of different iterations over the years where I did have to kind of come to that, that truth of maybe this isn't what I want to do forever. And the more it happened, the more I was like, Hey, maybe this is just what, what life is like, mm. maybe it's not about finding your one thing when you're like 25 and, um, doing that for the rest of your life. Maybe the fun of it is knowing that it will change in the future. And, and that means that you're, you're still growing and still learning new things. So mm -hmm. now my kind of philosophy is just 
move in the direction of what feels good. Don't overanalyze it. Don't try and kind of calculate that this needs to be your job because of X, Y, Z factors. But if something stops feeling good and you know that something else is probably going to feel better, then then do that and start moving in that direction. That is amazing. I love that. And I feel the exact same way. Like you, I thinking that I would have to do one thing for the rest of my life while some, you know, I think the old thought pattern was certainty. I want to know this is certain, but nothing, even if you're in this corporate job that you feel is totally certain and it's got benefits and X, Y, and Z. It's like, I've learned very quickly through my husband's jobs that nothing is certain. So it's almost like, why would you not go and explore these things that you love if everything is uncertain anyway you might as well have some fun with life right exactly and and of course we know if we're doing what we love the money is probably going to come from that much more than being stuck in something we don't like and and just watching our souls die slowly (laughs) (laughs) I 100% agree 100% so you probably have a really great relationship with failure, to be honest, because it sounds like you're willing to jump and take the leap into something new that you're getting a soul hit on. And you're willing to do it quickly, especially if you're like, this is kind of what I'm, what I'm interested in now. And it sounds like, you know, you do, you had this whole greeting card thing and you've done quite a few other things. I know that that means you're a really actionable person, but that also means you have to be okay with failing. So tell me about your relationship with failure. Yeah. So I, I think I used to have a much different relationship with failure where it was, um, and a lot of it was tied to kind of the beliefs that were given to me growing up that I have to be good at things. I have to be successful. I have to be wealthy. Um, a lot of that was from my, my family and it took a lot of time to undo those beliefs and to feel like failure is not this, this terrible thing. It's actually this wonderful thing. So now I, I feel this deep sense of, um, knowing that failure is, is either going to lead you in a direction to something that you will enjoy or that will turn out well, or you're going to learn something massive from that failure. And then that will lead you to something else that's going to be that next step for you. So whenever I'm feeling that anxiety of, oh my gosh, this thing is not working out, or maybe I need to do something differently. I stop and reflect on that thought that, okay, maybe it kind of sucks right now and and maybe I'm failing at something, but this is a good thing because the next thing that I do or the thing that this failure leads me to is going to be the thing that feels like success or feels fulfilling to me. So it's all just like this little journey of ups and downs um, that we go on to find the things that feel good. I love that. And doesn't it just feel like it gets to this point where you're like, if I'm miserable right now, nothing is going to change. Like it is so, Mm. it's like worth the failure because I just can't fathom my life five years down the road in something that is just, you know, already feeling like I'm living, I'm not even alive. It's like you're the walking dead. You know, yeah. you get to that point. So it's like, I will, I can take any pain at this point, just something That's, different. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is such a good point because Ugh. you're, you're totally right. It's like, would you rather do something for the rest of your life that doesn't fulfill you and you hate, or are you willing to have some failures until you find something that you freaking absolutely love? Mm-hmm. And, and from two people who I feel like are on the, you know, other side, and we definitely know how to explore the different things that we love. It is, it's like, if we can say one thing, it's, it's that it is so good over here once you're willing to, mm. to become friends with failure, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just, absolutely. Like, it gets exciting. And yes, not every day is fun, but it, it's exciting. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it's like, even for both of us too, where we found something that we love and we've moved in these different directions. I think we're still failing at things. Like I know for sure I am. And it's kind of like, that's never going to end, right? We're always going to be going in one direction, hitting a wall and then realizing we're, we're just going to go in a different direction. So it's not Mm -hmm. something that ever leaves us. It's just kind of, it starts to sit in the back seat instead of in the front seat. Mm -hmm. All, All of the time. And I, I love that quote just about how failure is just really, it's, um, what is it? A detour in the, in the right direction. So it's Mm -hmm. like when I get it, it's like, okay, that didn't work. Otherwise, (laughs) I was supposed to go the other way. Perfect. That's amazing. (laughs) Okay. So before we really dive into everything that you do in your zones of genius, um, I just want to know what is something right now that you are either struggling with or something that you're working through? 
in your business? Yeah. Um, one thing that I've been struggling with is finding a balance between this personal spiritual self and, um, and, and really doing things that make me feel personally fulfilled, uh, regardless of my business. And then this balance of, um, being this person who really enjoys marketing and running a business and, and managing a team of people. So I, I kind of, I'm like an all in kind of person. So when I'm in the business zone, it's like my whole life becomes about running my business. And, and that becomes tough for me sometimes where I, I get to this point of like burnout or I'm not motivated anymore because I'm just working all the time. So for me, the struggle is how do I infuse more um, just real deep personal reflection and relaxation with also running a business. Mm. So what does that look like for you? Like when you go to that place of, wow, okay, this would be my ideal. I do this in business and then I go and do this for me. How much, what is it, when? Yeah, a lot of it um, has to do with accountability. So finding people to hold me accountable to um, sticking to my personal spiritual routine. So uh, I think a month ago I was really feeling this, this sense of, burnout and needing to add more, um, personal things to my schedule. So I made a list. I just wrote in my journal, here's a list of like 30 things that fulfill me Mm -hmm. from doing yoga to going for a walk around the block or making a green smoothie, like all of these different little things. And now it's been my goal to start infusing those things into my daily routines. So, and a big part of that, it's like, you can write down the routine, you know, the things that you need to be doing most likely to, to feel more fulfilled in your life, but doing them is kind of a different story. So Mm -hmm. finding people who will text me or who will hold me accountable, who are already doing those things, um, that I can do them with kind of building that habit, uh, is, is the difficult part. So that's where the accountability and community aspect comes into play really Mm -hmm. deeply for me. So have you found someone? (laughs) I have. Yeah. So it's funny. Um, and I would suggest this honestly for anyone who, who likes to have good conversations. I started a book club with just some friends from college, a few months ago, we just had our third meeting and we meet monthly and it's been such a fulfilling way to, to have great discussions, but now we're starting, and we do a lot of personal development books. So now we're starting to, um, share our goals every month and hold each other accountable to doing those goals or, um, whatever it is that we're trying to achieve for those next 30 days. So we have this little book club group that's now just our, our like personal development group. (laughs) Um, but we all hold each other accountable Mm. Um, yeah. So that's been amazing. Okay. I love, okay. I don't know if I told you this, but I love hearing that because my book is literally teaching women how to meet just like that. So the book is a mastermind book that you can go through together, but then also hold each other accountable after long after the book is done or do it with other books or whatever you want to do. So that is like confirmation from the universe. So thanks for sharing that. And you guys do that. Like you don't need a book to do it. Wait, what is it? Has it been released? No, it's going to be out next May. Oh my gosh. I need to read that. That yeah, sounds amazing. I'm I love so that. I'm so excited. So I'll tell you all about it uh, yeah, when I see I, you next time. <laughs> definitely. I love also just a little side note. I just love how committed you are to building community mm. with women and people. I think it's fantastic. And you're so good at, at being a leader in that space. Oh, thank you so much. And you know what? Just like you said, it's everything. Because as yeah. much as you love business, you're aware that your business is not going to thrive to the potential that it could without that, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like so foundational because it fills you up and you can't serve from an empty place. So, you know, those are those beautiful things that you don't even realize are just going to propel you for the next month. It's like you probably only need once a month to really feel an extreme difference in your life, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that is so cool. Okay, so I think a lot of the things that people in your world and what I hear in my world say is, you know, they'd love to turn their hobby and their passion into a full-time business, but they just don't understand how to make that transitional period work. Or, you know, how do I still keep paying my bills and put all my time and effort towards something else? What do, what do you say to the people who come to you who are like, okay, I have this idea. Um, I'm ready to start doing it. Where do I start? Right. So a lot of people who come to me, who ask that often have full-time jobs or they, they stay at home and take care of kids. So they don't have a lot 
of extra time. And I totally understand that. So the first thing I would say is that you do have time. Um, you just have to be willing to make the sacrifice for it. So maybe it means for a couple months you wake up earlier, you get a little bit less sleep or you go to bed later or you quit some sort of activity for a couple months that you, you enjoy and you make that space to really create your business. So I think everyone has that space somewhere in their schedule. Um, it's just a matter of making that sacrifice and committing to it. And then once you've done that, I think the biggest question is how are you going to serve people? What are you giving that's going to impact people in a meaningful way? And when you find that, it becomes so much easier um, finding that answer and then also understanding the type of person you're trying to help with that service and generosity. So maybe it's that you want to help um, single moms start their own business. Or maybe it's that you're a dog trainer who wants to help people in XYZ location with their first puppy training or something like that. So getting specific about who it is that you're helping and what exactly you're giving to them. And then from there, I think a lot of it just goes back to our other conversations about creating community and sharing that knowledge with people for free. Um, so whether it's a blog or a podcast or a YouTube channel or Facebook Live or even an Instagram, you can share your knowledge in an easy to digest format that's really valuable for your community. And as you start to do that, as you start to share this knowledge and help other people, people will start to gravitate towards you because they can see that authenticity that you're trying to help other people. And it gives you this place where then you can start collaborating with people. Maybe you do a free webinar with somebody where you're teaching something to their audience and thereby growing yours. Or maybe you do a Facebook Live with somebody or a guest blog post or get on podcasts to be interviewed. But it's all about just that free service of knowledge, knowing the people that you want to help and helping them. And then getting getting your stuff out there, collaborating in some way. Um, I think those are the biggest things to just getting those people in your tribe. And from there, once you've got some people who really love what you're doing, it's it's so much easier to launch services or coaching or online courses or whatever it is that you want to sell. Mm, I love that. So I, you know, another big thing that I hear that stops people. And I know because I ask them all the time where I'm like, just go and do it. Like get out there. And <laughs> they feel like it's all been done before. And of course, mm -hmm. you know, I think my answer to that, and I'm going to ask you yours is like, of uh -huh. course it's been done before, but it hasn't been done from you and your story and your, your past and your history. It's like, how do we embrace our story and just start, whether it's like you said, a webinar or just start with that freaking Facebook live or that first podcast, like explain what that first feels like and why we should just embrace whatever it is we have to say, no matter if it's been said before. Yeah. Great question. So I have a, a question for you, Lori. <laughs> Who is somebody that you really admire? You just love what they do. Mm. Who's somebody like that for you? Um, I would say, well, besides Oprah, Gabby Bernstein. Gabby Bernstein. I love her too. Um, and what do you love about Gabby Bernstein? Mm, you know, I just feel like she's taking her life experience and immediately sharing it with us. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And probably part of it comes down to also the way that she shares that, maybe her yes. personality, um, writing style, speaking style, those types of things. Mm -hmm. And I and I love her too. Um, I can almost guarantee that there are people out there that like hate her, right? Yep. That just really don't like her. Yep. And I think that is the secret, is that it's it's about the fact that you, like you said, you're coming from your own story and place when you teach something. So that's going to deeply resonate with the people it's meant to resonate with, with the people who are going to get that message, who love the way that you communicate, um, who love your teaching style and just who you are as a person, what your values are, all of these different facets of who you are and what your experience is. And then other people may not like it. They may just not resonate with, with you and your message, which is completely fine. It's the name of the game. That's just how it works. But that just means that those people that you're here to touch and help are going to resonate with you even more deeply. Mm -hmm. um, and then those people who maybe don't resonate with, for example, Gabby Bernstein, will find somebody else that fits their style more, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's the important part too is that we need more voices because we need people who can deeply connect to each type of person out there. Mm -hmm. 
And it's like, it doesn't matter how many people who do this, there's still millions and millions of people who are in desperate need of somebody who they click with and resonate with. I always am so amazed at, at the abundance that there is out there of, we need these people. It's not just like, Oh, it's so when people say it's so saturated, I'm like, okay, number one, that is your limiting belief. hundred percent. Yes. Because you see people start this every day, right? Right. Absolutely. And it's like you could go to a coffee shop and have a great conversation with a random person in line. And that just that's another person that kind of your personality, your experience, you you are able to connect with. So if you're able to connect with a random person in a coffee shop, you are 100 percent able to create an online business and connect with other people from around the world. Mm, Amazing. So I know it doesn't, you, you are so insanely successful and I know it never matters, you know, what new level you're going to. It doesn't feel good when people don't necessarily resonate or they leave you comments that don't feel awesome. How do you deal with that? What are some coping mechanisms that you do to move on quicker? Yeah. So I, I used to feel very hurt by, by comments like that. Um, I would sometimes get them on my blog posts or sometimes in responses to emails. One person I remember that, uh, back in the day really hurt me was she sent an email saying like, I love your teaching. You're really knowledgeable, but your personality is terrible and you're so annoying. So how can I consume your, yeah. How can I consume your knowledge, um, without having to like listen to you? Oh, and (laughs) And that at the time really hurt me. And I, and I started from that experience to think, how, how do I change this feeling? How do I get over this? Because it's probably only going to get worse as my business grows. And what I started to realize was that happy, secure people do not go out of their way to hurt other people. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's sending me an email like that, it means that they're coming from a place of insecurity or unhappiness. So what I did what I did for her was I responded and and actually for everyone else that ever sends me something cruel or mean is I respond to their email or comment with the most loving thing that I can think of. And sometimes that takes me a day to really get to that place of love versus gosh, that was really mean. Um, but I always end up there and, and I try to think, I love this person very, very deeply. And how can I respond to them in a way that shows that compassion to them and their story without judgment or anger? Mm-hmm. And so many times that's happened. And I'll I'll get messages um, and emails back from people who are, will say, like, I'm crying right now because I – I had a really bad week and and your email reminded me that I am still a kind person at my core and and thank you for giving me that grace. And it's just this reminder to me that everyone at their core is a good person. I believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and if we really see that in them and we give them that space to be good people, even when they say cruel things, then we're then it just doesn't bother us anymore. We're we're coming from a place of self-compassion where it's just irrelevant that they've tried to hurt you because you kind of see the underlying layers there. Mm-hmm. So that is my advice. Just remembering that happy, secure people don't go out of their way to help hurt other people. And how can you respond in the most loving way that expands you and them? Mm, I love that. And you know what? That is why you will always be abundantly successful is that is just so beautiful. And like you said, the word grace, it's just giving yourself, giving yourself space to give yourself time to feel it and get yeah. over it and then remember but that can take a day I love that you said it can yeah. take you a day like I'm still at that point where I'm like I need a day sometimes I need yeah. an hour sometimes you know if I know I'm yeah. like whatever but sometimes yeah. I'm like okay that's gonna be a day yeah <laughs> Maybe 24 that's, hours all take a little while I'm gonna yeah. need to sleep that one away all right yeah exactly all right so I really want to dive into your business and what you do who is like your ideal candidate your dream person to help so I love helping women primarily there are some men in my audience love them too but um I love helping women who want to start their own business because they're in this place in their life where they know that there's something more for them, whether it's more creativity or more purpose or more helping others or just 
more of something and they don't quite know how to get there. So I talked to a lot of women where um, it's just kind of a struggle to figure out what are the steps, what are the tactical things I can do to create this life and business that um, is meaningful to me. So I, I love helping women who are in that space, who maybe are a little bit soulful, um, open-minded and really want to help the world and just need to know how they can get there. So for people who already have that idea and they really want to start getting out there in a big way or for a business that's already out there, what are some great, like you're like, this is, this is the social, social media strategy that everybody should be doing. This is kind of how we're building, you know, getting, getting yourself out there. Do you have any tips that are like, you know, this is something you must do in order to grow? Yeah. So I have a couple things. Um, number one would be get on Pinterest. A lot of people write Pinterest off as this platform that's just for like DIY recipes and food recipe or DIY projects and food recipes. Um, but it's very much changing. And the, the distinction I like to make with people is that it's not a social media platform. It's not where you go to post pictures of your lunch, uh, <laughs> like maybe Instagram is, but it is a search engine. It's very much like Google much more than it is like Facebook. So when you think of that, and if you've heard of search engine optimization or SEO, the same principles of SEO for Google apply to Pinterest. And once you figure that out, you have that mindset shift of, okay, how can I use Pinterest more as a search engine by using things like keywords and um, helping my posts be found in Pinterest? When you do that, it, it's going to help you grow your audience and expand your message so much more because more people will be finding you. You'll get more traffic, more email subscribers. So that is a big way that I was able to initially grow my audience and my brand was through Pinterest. Uh, so I would say start there. And then another thing that I would recommend is to do video in some format or even a podcast, but some way for people to to resonate with you on a deeper level, to feel your personality, to see your knowledge live in action versus reading it in a blog post or an ebook or something like that. Um, you really want people to feel that deeper connection to you. Kind of like what we were going back to, what we were talking about earlier, where yes, it's maybe been done before, but it hasn't been done by you, which means that the more you can have your audience know you, the more that you're going to be able to grow your business and affect more people. So get on video. Um, maybe you're teaching a webinar. Maybe you're doing weekly Facebook lives or even Instagram stories, which you and Chris are amazing at. Um, <laughs> I need to take a page out of that notebook. <laughs> we'll swap um, ideas. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> but whatever medium feels good to you, I would say get on video or start a podcast just to build that more deep connection with people. And from there, you can do collaborative things like interviewing people on Facebook Live or doing a co-webinar with somebody um, or doing podcast interviews or starting one of your own. But thinking of some, some medium you can use that will create those deeper connections with people. Mm, awesome. I, I think what's happening to a lot of people right now is, you know, it, this video world is coming up and it's scaring the crap out of people like, oh my God, everything is going to video. But the thing yeah. that I say to that is like, it's good. It, when I first started video, cause now I love it, but it felt so horrible to me. I just want to make sure everybody knows that like, yes. it was horrible. I felt weird. I was like, I am sharing the stupidest stuff. Like nobody cares about <laughs> what I'm drinking right now. Yes. Or that I'm like randomly at Starbucks or a gas station, or <laughs> I just felt so stupid to me. But then I realized I went and looked at all the things that I love and who I love to follow. And I just wrote down things that they were doing. Like, what are they doing that I'm just even interested in? seeing and I started saying okay you know when they go to Whole Foods I just want to know what they're purchasing like it's just right. interest like little things like that so it's gonna feel stupid it's gonna feel wonky you're gonna feel like who in the heck is ever going to watch this and maybe you know just your mom does and that's cool in the beginning yeah um, <laughs> but yeah that's the whole thing about video so just start I was talking to a woman at this last um weekend I was at an event and she's like on the Today Show and E Entertainment all the time, but she's scared of Insta stories, and mm. <laughs> and I, and she it's wants so to start her own brand. And I was like, just start video. And Melissa, I just watched you dance on your video online, and I was like, <laughs> on your on your website, and I was like, yeah. I love this girl. Like, I want more of dancing, Melissa. <laughs> 
<laughs> so there, I need an Insta stories with you dancing. Yes. Um, <laughs> okay. That needs to happen. And it funny does. Story, um, I am talking about like the fear of video. So I, before I ever really got into video, the first kind of thing that I did was a webinar. So I did a live webinar a couple of years ago. And before the webinar, I literally threw up. Like I was thinking maybe I should just tell them like I'm in the hospital or something, like make something up because I cannot do this. And then I did the webinar and I was like beaming for the rest of the day. It was so fun. Now I've spoken at conferences about webinars. I teach courses that tell people how to do webinars and I love them and I love video, but I 100% agree with you that it's okay if you don't start from that place of loving it and you're like scared out of your mind. Um, maybe you will end up loving it and, and it will be this really fun thing for you and your audience. Oh, such a great story. And I have a theory that if you are scared of it like that, you probably have the biggest reward on the other side. Mm -hmm. Like I'm uh, even before speaking, it's like, I get so nervous, but I, I focus on the beaming feeling like you just said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That reward is like so big on the other side. Okay. So webinars, let's talk about that. Yeah. How do you feel about them? How much of, uh, your business, what, what role do webinars play in your business? Why are they important? So I think that there's kind of two ways to do webinars. There's kind of the older way, which is, in my opinion, very salesy, which I think a lot of people see others doing it the older way um, now. And they they have this aversion to webinars because they think they're all like that. But kind of salesy where there's not much value. It's just more of a kind of fancy sales pitch for their product. Mm. And to me, those are not sustainable anymore. I don't think they're, they're going to be making as many sales and they're just not connecting to your audience as much. But otherwise, I think webinars are fantastic. I think that they are a great medium for you to tell a little bit of your story and experience to share some really helpful knowledge through maybe 30 to 40 minutes of training time and then to be able to make sales of your product. So I think webinars are one of the best things that you could do for your business if you want to make more sales, whether it's services and coaching or it's online courses and digital products, they can be a fantastic medium to make those sales. So I do webinars at least a couple of times a month. And we also have evergreen webinars that people can watch at any time um, that are, that are just running in the background whenever somebody wants to watch those as well. But they, they're definitely a big part of my strategy, how I've been able to connect with more, more people in my audience and more people that I do like co-taught webinars with. So Mm -hmm. I would say if you're looking for a great way to grow your audience and make sales in one, one bang, um, webinars are a perfect solution for that. So what do you think that theory is behind webinars over like doing, you know, a lot of people do Facebook lives for their business or launches. Um, is it, is it the element of the slides and really taking them on a journey or what is that? Yeah, good question. I think there's a couple things. I think Facebook lives are a a great thing that you can do and they're a great kind of add on to a webinar. Maybe you do them before and after your webinar to hype people up and teach a little bit, but a webinar is more, I want to say formal, but it's still conversational and fun. It's really as formal as you make it, but there's something to be said of someone opting in to join the webinar, getting emails from you to say, Hey, the webinar is starting right now versus a Facebook live, which is more casual. In my opinion, they kind of just drop in very distracted by so many other things happening on Facebook at the same time. And maybe, don't end up receiving your message in um, as much of a way as they would through a webinar, which is more concentrated on the stuff that you're teaching. Mm. And like you said, you're taking them through typically more of a journey of here's kind of my story as it relates to this, this content. And then here's all of the stuff that I want to teach you. And here's this next step for you. So I do think that as well, that you're able to take them more on that journey together and just that, that commitment you get from them of opting into the webinar. Mm. So clearly these, uh, like your strategy has been super successful. I would love if you would share your strategies for launching, um, your different e-courses and courses that you have. Um, and we'll, we'll get more into that in a minute. Uh, also just kind of like I love that you post your income online. We'll talk about that in a minute. Like I'm obsessed with that. I just think it's so valuable and powerful. Um, 
but what are your main strategies? So let's say that you have a course coming up. Yeah. What planning goes into it? What are you for sure going to do? Oh, and also I just want to say, I know that you teach on webinars. So you guys, if you want to learn more on that, definitely we're going to have you uh, go back to her site in a bit. But what are your strategies for launching? So I have, I would say... Well, there's a few main ones that we do. Definitely webinars. We always have a couple webinars for our launches. Um, we always have an email sequence, which is also designed to help taking take people on that journey um, when we're re- releasing a course or opening something for enrollment. So our courses are open typically for seven to 10 days. So we'll have emails almost every day during that time frame, which was really scary at first. But now I started to realize that people don't see your emails every day. Um, it's a really short period of time in the grand scheme of things, et cetera. So it's actually not a big deal, but we have those email sequences and those are designed to teach them about the program, but also help them go through any mindset shifts because I know that my programs will help the people that they need to help. And my job during a launch is to get those people into the course. It's not about selling something, um, or necessarily making money. It's about finding those people that I know can be helped and, and making sure that they sign up. So a lot of that has to do with sending emails that get them through those mindset shifts of, I can't do this or whatever the reason is that they wouldn't sign up. Um, and then we also do Facebook and Instagram ads. So we do those quite a bit during launches as well. And we've also found that doing a Facebook live and then turning that into a Facebook or Instagram ad can work really well, or even just video in any format works better than a static image, um, for your ads. Mm. But I will say when I started, when I did my first launch, um, this was a couple years ago, first launch of my e-course. And during this 30 day period where I opened enrollment, I made around $25,000, which was huge to me. Uh, I had never done that in one month before. And during that launch, I sent, I think maybe five emails during the entire month. I did one webinar and I did a handful of Facebook lives and that was it. It wasn't this crazy strategy. I didn't run any ads. I, I did it as simply as I could with what I knew um, and how however much I could afford to invest in different software and, and whatnot. Uh, but it was it was really simple and it still worked out really well. So if anyone's listening and they're like, oh my gosh, all of those things sound like too much. Just remember that you can start with something much smaller and have it still be insanely successful. Mm, I love that you shared that. That is, that is pretty much exactly how my first launch went too. like pretty, I did the kind of the same things. I made around the same amount of money. Um, and that's awesome. And I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Like that wasn't even, it almost made me even more comfortable. Like I feel like the more that you own it too, and the more that you can get to a place where you're just proud of what you do. And, Mm. and especially after that first one that you run and you know, it's really helping people. You can get into this really rooted, soulful place of, wow, this is really making a massive impact. So I love that you just shared, you made 25,000 on your first launch. Can you share with us what you made last month on your um, business? Yeah. So last month, um, I haven't done an income report in a couple months. I need to get back on that. But last month was about 200,000. That is amazing. So what went into that type of launch? So that one was for a membership site that we, we did. Um, actually I, I'll kind of go back. So we did a launch in December uh, that was a little bit more of an extensive launch, I would say. Um, and that launch, we I think we did around 400000 for that one specifically. And during that launch, um, we did webinars. I had affiliates. So I, I reached out to different people to see if they wanted to promote it or do a webinar together. So I had some affiliates who were promoting the course. Um, Can I ask you we, about how many yeah. you had? I had... I opened it up to any students who wanted to promote it so they could promote it through email, social media, et cetera. So I'm not sure how many of them there were, probably a a good handful. Um, But then I also reached out to about, I would say, five to seven people that are kind of, quote unquote, influencers Mm -hmm. who uh, I did a webinar to their audience. Mm -hmm. So I had about five or six people in that realm and then uh, maybe like 20 students who were promoting it to their audiences as well. And students, by students, I mean like they had taken the course before. Okay. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so had affiliates, we did a lot of Facebook ads. So during that launch, I think we spent $40,000 on Facebook ads, which Mm -hmm. 
I that was probably the biggest that we've ever spent on a launch for ads before, but um, it ended up working out really well. And I did uh, some Facebook lives, and we also leading up to the launch. So this is something that I think is really big if you're you're launching something. Leading up to your launch, you want to have some sort of big value thing that you give to people. So it's not just like, hey, what's up? Here, go buy this thing. Right. You want it to be like, hey, here's a bunch of really amazing free tools and resources and training for you. And oh, by the way, now after this thing is over, if you want to continue, um, you want to learn more about this topic, you're really into it, then you can invest in this course. So it gives people a taste of what to expect from you. So during that launch specifically, we um, did a video series. So it was a four-part video series. Three videos were teaching just straight value and knowledge. And the fourth video was kind of that next step where they could learn more about the program and then invest in it if they wanted to. But we've done things like challenges. I think you've done a challenge. I don't know if that was for a launch or not, yep. but just doing something valuable before your launch is huge, I think. Mm, okay. So good. Okay. So you're also... Um, so when people do a program with you, yes. Um, and they can choose, I know I saw on your website, it's like different, you know, web webinars, Pinterest list building. Is there something like business in a box kind of where if, if somebody wants to get all of that, is that your monthly? Yes. Okay, so I have about that. Yeah. So in a, a couple months ago, we launched a membership site called Pursuit HQ. Pursuit HQ, the website for that is mypursuithq.com. And that is very much like your business in a box. So every month we have an overarching theme that surrounds either how to grow your audience, how to make more sales, or how to become your better self. So personal development. Mm. And then we'll pick a topic within one of those themes and that whole month will be dedicated to that topic. So this next month, we're talking actually all about webinars. This past month, um, we we talked about income streams. We've done organic traffic growth before as well, um, how to create a vision for your life and your business. So we've touched on a lot of different things that are helpful if you want to grow a business, make sales, get an audience, um, become your best self. But it is I love it because it's it's more bite-sized information, whereas sometimes courses can, I feel, be a little bit overwhelming where there's just a lot of stuff um, and it feels daunting to actually implement it. So it's it, Pursuit HQ is very much about uh, learning the knowledge, but but actually implementing it and being part of this community where we'll hold you accountable to implementing it as well. Mm, okay. I still want to get my um, one of my people in that. <laughs> awesome. It's cause that's so, everything is changing so quickly too. And it's just so beautiful yeah. to have the little reminders of like, Hey, this, this is happening over here. Or have you thought about this? And you know, we yeah. have to do that as business owners. You have to always be a part of something. Um, and, and that's the beautiful thing is just, there's always so much growth and things that you're not exploring that you could explore that could really grow you. So if you're ever feeling stagnant, it's probably because we're not exploring new avenues because I really, it's just so abundant. You know, there's so many different things that we can do no matter who you are, or what your background. So how do you structure, let's say newer person, or you know what, this doesn't even apply just to new people. It applies to everyone. How do you structure your day when you want your business to grow? What does it look like day to day? Because you really do have to be a self-starter, but I also don't think it, it's like these big monumental moves that makes a business go. So what does your day or week typically look like? And how do you structure your calendar? Mm, good question. I feel like I was never the person who had this like nine to 12, I will do content creation. And then <laughs> one, two, three, I will be doing interviews. Like, I feel like that's never been how I work my best. So it's a little bit more sporadic than that. Um, I always try to get back into routines and then fail at them. But <laughs> I, I do a lot of things like connecting with people. So whether that means hopping on a Skype call with, with a new person just to kind of meet each other and learn more about each other, or it means doing podcast interviews, both for my podcast or for other people's podcasts like this one. Um, content creation is a big thing for me as well. So that might mean making content for Pursuit HQ or my blog or podcast or Facebook group. 
Um, and then it, it also means managing my community. So largely the Facebook group, the Pursuit HQ forum, and just connecting with those people in my audience. So those are kind of the big things that I now focus on. It's just the content, the community, and I guess the collaborate, they're all C's, <laughs> the, like collaboration <laughs> and connecting to people. Um, so those are the big things. And a lot of that, the reason I can do those things and not really worry about email and, and whatnot is just being able to find people who, who do those things for me. And that's really only happened in the past year. I, I think a year ago I was actually flying solo for the most part. And now there's, we have a little team of people who help out with those other things that are not my zone of genius. Mm -hmm. And I know others can do them better than I can. Yeah. That is that. Uh, yeah. I just, uh, what, if I'm like, no, nope, can't do this. I'm like, okay, how can I hire this? How yeah. can I make more money to pay this person so yes. that I don't have to do this? And that's the, such a fun part about being an entrepreneur too, is when you get to bring other people into your vision and also help pay them. Like I freaking love being able to employ amazing people and give them money. I think that is Absolutely. the most fun thing ever. I agree. Um, <laughs> actually from, Call. So about eight years ago in college, I met this guy named Kenny and we totally hit it off. We became really good friends and we've been really close friends ever since. And he's worked with me now full time for the past year. And it's for me that beautiful experience of getting to employ one of my friends, somebody that I really care about. And, and of course, all the other people uh, on our team that I had never even met before. So oh. I 100% agree. It's oh. really one of my favorite things. It's so good. Like honestly, the more that you delve into it and the more you step into the scary stuff, the more your life just starts to unfold in, in a more beautiful way than you could possibly imagine. And it's like all of these earth angels appear, whether they're from mm -hmm. your past or your, you know, people you haven't met yet. It's just such a beautiful thing. Of course there's crazy moments, um, that yes. come with that. But for the most part, I'd say 95% beautiful things. So I 100% <laughs> really awesome. agree. What yeah. are you most excited? about right now? So um, I, so I kind of mentioned it a little bit a second ago, but I am launching a podcast at the end of June. Yay! So this might be released after that. Um, so maybe the podcast is out right now, um, <laughs> but it is called Pursuit with Purpose. And the point of it, um, so kind of backtracking here, last year, I, my business grew a lot, a lot more than I expected. And that was great. Uh, but it was also really hard for me because I started feeling like I wasn't operating from this place of purpose or intention. I was starting to focus on the numbers, like how many people can we get enrolled in this thing? How much are we growing month to month? And and I got really wrapped up in that world of making money, growing a business and losing sight of my identity and my vision for my life and my business. And once I realized that and snapped out of it, it was a game changer for me. And mm -hmm. With this podcast, I want to help other people make that transition and, and go through those changes and operate their business and their life from a place that feels really meaningful and fulfilling with everything that they choose to do. So I'll be interviewing people who I feel are doing meaningful work in the world or who are uh, creating and running their business from a place of authenticity or doing something unique that I think other people should know about. So that you can learn more at melissagriffin.com slash pursuit. Uh, but, it, but I'm really excited about just having those conversations with people. Love that. You will be amazing at that. And by the way, you have like an epic podcast voice. So it's going to be even better. <laughs> no way. Thank you. I'm like, oh, just this great, pleasing voice. Okay. No way. Thank you. <laughs> You're like, no, stop. Go on. <laughs> okay. So I just want to say thank you so much. I could literally, I looked up and I'm like, oh, dang, like I've kept you on here so long. Okay. I could talk to you all day long and I just want to acknowledge you for what you do. And I, you know, being in the mastermind with you on top of having this amazing, podcast with you just now I so love that you bring so much value everywhere you go and I know that that is your goal and your intention so I just want to thank you for always showing up as that person who has this massive desire to add value because you are changing people's lives Laura you are so sweet that 100% made my day thank you so much it's been an honor to be on your podcast love mm -hmm. chatting with you we need to chat more I know, um, <laughs> I know, and we yeah. will. And I always yes. have one last question. Yeah. Are you ready? I'm so ready. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you literally have like a 30 second elevator ride with someone 
and they're a stranger and they look mm-hmm. over at you and they say, how can I make myself happy? What do you say? Oh my goodness. Um, I would ask them what feels really good in your life right now. Or actually, let me backtrack there. I would say, do you have time right now? I'd love to take you to lunch. One of my Mm. favorite things is having conversations with people and um, learning more about them and helping them discover what what that purpose and what those things that make them happy are mm. um, that maybe can't be done in 30 seconds. So mm-hmm. I would definitely invite them to lunch or, or get their number and, and help them figure that out. All right. You're going to have some really popular elevator rides. Like people are going to be stalking, <laughs> stalking you. Okay. I'm so grateful to have you on today and you guys go over to Melissa's website. I will have that in the show notes. And if you loved this podcast as much as I did, make sure you share it with your friends and until next time earn your happy bye everyone thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the earn your happy podcast i am so glad that you stopped by if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest thought, an honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye.